Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their favorite albums. Today, we're talking with Scott Hicks of the band Totally Slow. We talked Government Issues' 1987 album, You. We're both big fans of this band, especially this later era. If you're looking for this album on streaming, I'd recommend YouTube or Spotify under Government Issue Complete History Volume 2, Disc 1. Seriously, great album. Please hunt it down. Totally Slow just released their new album, Casual Drag, on Refresh Records. Scott Hicks and all of the Totally Slow crew have been really great friends for many years, so it's awesome to sit down and catch up. Go on some tangents here, so buckle up. Please check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That's at spinningoutpod. Also, RIP John Stab of Government Issue. Okay, let's chat with Scott. Hey, Scott. How's it going? Hey, Josh. I'm really good. Um, did you have a good week so far? Yeah, pretty good. Are you excited about doing this podcast today? Absolutely. I'm always excited to see you. You know that. Mm. Yeah, it's been a minute. It has. It's been a minute with me and most people. I haven't really seen <laughs> yeah, anybody. True, true. <clears throat> um. Okay, so today we are talking about the government issue record You from 1987 that came out on Giant Records, also Dutch East India. Um, so what I'll say, when was the first time you heard this record or when was the first time you heard government issue? Hmm. Um, well, I was thinking about this record in terms of like, because I bought it when it came out. So I was 14, probably. Um, and I remember it's one of the few records in my collection from back in the day that I literally remember like being at the record store and picking it up and buying it. Cause I was with my dad at the mall. And I remember that I was at the mall, South square mall in Durham, RIP. Um, and so I, so I remember buying this particular record. Of course I'd, I'd heard them before this, but um, I was thinking about, um, uh when i would have first heard government issue and i, I can't answer that i don't know i'm there you know like at the time there was um uh there was like the sort of stable of punk rock bands that were so masterfully branded you know like if you if you were any way punk adjacent in the mid 80s like you knew the circle jerks you knew asian orange you knew minor threat and like government issue kind of fell in there too um um, but we'll, we'll, we can get to that later. But um, yeah. I, I, but I I probably heard I probably heard them on the Flex Your Head comp because like my best friend had that pretty early, and I remember us listening to the tape of that a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember the first time I heard them. I heard them really early, and it was like my brother had an older friend, um, and he made him a tape, and it was like one side was. I don't know. They were really long tapes. So I don't know what kind of side it was like those 90 minute tapes. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, and it was like John Coltrane. And then the end of it was legless bull. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> Renaissance, and that was man. Like, yeah. yeah, it was. So it was very like two, and I was like just discovering punk. So it was yeah. like, so even like jazz was not, and that type of jazz was not in my vernacular, you know, yeah. either. So there are two like things that were like blew my mind in different ways mm-hmm. at that time. Um, but I don't really feel like after that, I knew who government issue was kind of piggybacking off of what you were saying. I felt like they were a name people knew, but outside of hearing those recordings, I didn't really develop a relationship with government issue at that time. It was just a name I knew. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't know if it's like similar for you. I don't know what kind of relationship you had with government issue off of like flex your head. Are, yeah, are I don't cool. even remember if I if I knew which band was them. Like, I don't I really don't remember. Yeah, I don't. Um, yeah. And um, it's hard to talk about without going deep into that whole branding thing I was talking about, because like I, I, when I was going to grab that record, I was kind of surprised at how many government issue like 12 inches I have, like because mm-hmm. um, I don't remember having I have like five and I was like, oh, and um and I always liked them, but they were never a band that I was like obsessed with or, um, and, and you is kind of the first record I remember listening to like a lot. Like I, I, yeah. I was really into it. And I, and I remember thinking like, well, this isn't a hardcore record at all, but it, it didn't matter. Most things at that time, usually if I bought something and it was not punk or hardcore, like, you know, uh, what was a capital P or H I, I was like, man, you know, yeah. Um, but there was also that thing where at that age, you know, you only have $20 a month to spend on music. So if you bought a record, you kind of would like make yourself like it. <laughs> you spend as much time with it as possible because it was the only yeah. record you were going to get for a couple weeks, you know. Um, and But I don't think that happened with that record. I think I pretty much immediately was on board with that record. Um, yeah, around around the time, I think. So basically, it's just kind of like life progressed and I didn't really listen to government issue. And then, uh, there was a point where I was in a record store in Boston, probably like 10 years ago or more. Yeah. And, uh, was like, Oh, I should buy this. It's like $6. Uh, and it was you. And, uh, um, I listened to it. I liked it. And then for some reason I sold it. (laughs) Um, so it feels like it doesn't, but then I, but I always kept feeling like I need to get it again. And I've checked recently and because it's because of Dutch East India and giant record stuff, it's like forty dollars now. On yeah. Discogs. And I should have kept it even if just for that. But also it is a record that I actually do revisit on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on you know, more than other government issue stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's not on streaming stuff really. I mean, that record is now, I guess, through that it's like this weird anthology things that are on spotify yeah it's, it's like that. volume two disc one yeah i don't really and... know what that is but um <laughs> and 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 they each have like you know the songs have like less listens than like my band and i'm like what <laughs> like it's weird um but um I think uh, we were talking about how whether or not people thought that record was punk or whatever. And uh, I don't really know because I was like 14 or 15 years old and I wasn't I just had like the 10 band names that I knew. And if I saw those records, I would buy them, you know. Um, But I was also thinking about how they didn't have this like uh, like the records are all sound different. Like they don't really have I mean, it's all that guy singing, but like there's no 
like legless bull to joyride to view like this could be all different bands almost like it's um so they didn't really like put a flag in the ground like this is our thing and this is what we sound like and this is what we believe and this is what we look like like they didn't have that whole like you know like you bought a minor threat record you were like in the you were in that club for a minute you know mm -hmm. or whatever yeah and they didn't really have that so i think that's why i mean i don't remember pe people being like pissed about that record not being you know like i mean people were like mad about wig at dinkos when a wig out at dinkos or they were mad about like new wind you know by seven seconds like those were like departures but this record was just like evolution i don't think it was seen as like a left turn you know yeah like they it's kind of slowly gotten to that point but it's funny to even think of wig out at dinkos as such a big departure because i locally yeah but it, it's musically the same it's, yeah me. yeah i mean it's got some of those i don't know I, I remember when i bought it and i just wanted can i say part two and i was kind of disappointed at first but um oh, yeah i'm not now yeah i mean i, I was <laughs> i was like in college i think when i first heard dag nasty at all so uh -huh. i mean it was like you know it was kind of then it was like oh what can i download next you yeah know? so it wasn't, See, i was buying you know, that I was buying that stuff yeah. when it came out, but I was in middle school, you know, like, um, so I didn't really have a, a context for it. I was just buying cassettes in the, there was actually a hardcore section in the cassette store at the mall. And I would just like pick things out of it at random. But um, the funny thing I was thinking about too, was a lot of times back then I would, people would make you tapes of things. So you didn't really know what you had or what, it was in the discography of the thing, you know, and I actually had new wind by seven seconds. Like I, somebody gave me a cassette of that and a cassette of, uh, of like walk together, rock together or whatever. And I remember thinking, cause to me, like the whole idea of music being that fast was like a new idea, you know? So I was like, well, that one's newer. Like they're like, they wouldn't have evolved to be slower. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. They evolved to the new thing, which is yeah. the hardcore punk, you know? I was wrong. Um, mm. I did not buy the uniform choice because they, they did that too, you know. They did that hard left yeah. turn thing. What, staring at the sun? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've I've heard people kind of, I've, I've, I've seen people over the years kind of try and recontextualize that album. Uh -huh. And it's like, we don't need to do that for everything. No. Like, it's like, it's fine if staring good. at the sun yeah. is not, it's not that good. I mean, I think people should, like if you're a, kind of a completist and you mm -hmm. just want to know i've i've listened to staring at the sun a, a few times in my life but i don't feel like it's ever been like like gotten better <laughs> like no. it's just it's almost just it's but i also listen and watch a bunch of things that i don't like anyways so it's not uncommon for me to just continually listen to records i won't like but you know it's like yeah. i don't think there needs to be like a pitchfork piece on actually staring at the sun is a good record no. but in 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 context i mean in kind of a going back to the record we're talking about uh and not just so i can reset it back to the topic um this record is though like it, it's not it's not like an it shouldn't be an outlier and i feel like i feel like technically government issue kind of gets better throughout their career and oh, but for, what's yeah, weird about no doubt. when the reunion happened and r.i.p john um 
So no disrespect to that whole band, but it was kind of a bummer that basically what everyone wanted from them was like Joyride and Legless Bull. It felt yeah. Like. Yeah. And it's like, that's not my relationship with them. And I don't, I just simply don't think that's their best material. Yeah. Um, I get it because they had uh, the one guitarist that played on those records but it's like the yeah, be- the best material. It was like they were working era. with the, they were working with the lineup that they had. I mean, I you know, and again, like no disrespect for sure, they were so nice, and we got to play with them. And, yeah, and John was the sweetest, the sweetest dude. It was great and, hearing um, those songs. They're just oh not, yeah, 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 favorite. super fun. <laughs> um, I mean, I just don't think I I don't feel like hardly any band could do that record if it didn't have that exact rhythm section. You know, like you got to have those two people. Like, um it's just amazing like the the drum and the bass on that record is amazing um yeah that's the thing because i mean it's like we know the guy that played bass on uh the reunion Dwayne. yeah um and he, great bassist you know yeah um, and, and it's super, like it's not even the comment yeah it's the way these songs are written like yeah. you know i think i think you know i don't even know if Dwayne would ever listen to this but I know Dwayne could rock these songs really hard. Oh, and yeah. I wish I got to hear that. You know, so mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. I wish I got to hear that because I think it would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we didn't. Um, just. Well, just when, you have a, gets... when you have a catalog that big and you're doing a little reunion tour like that, you've got to, I mean, you got to draw the line somewhere, I guess. You can't do, <laughs> yeah, you do. 10 albums, you know, or whatever. Um, but they didn't play like Carrying Line. No, know, during the region, and that's a bummer. Yeah, Jaded Eyes is an amazing song. Yeah, like one of the top ten, whatever. I feel like they did when we played with them at the Cradle. They did a song from you. I think oh. I just can't remember what it was. I'm looking at it now, trying to remember, but I'm not going to remember. It was a blur. Mm. It was a blur. But um, yeah, and um, I saw them at the Fallout Shelter in Raleigh when I was young. And I, I, I can't, I need to like look up when that was so I can figure out what they would have been. Cause it was before I knew anything. Like it was just like, again, I see that brand name and I'm like, I guess I should go to that, you know, kind of thing. So I don't really remember much about it. Um, I mean, I was probably 16, 17, something like that. Um, but that's the only, I saw them then and then I saw them when we played with them and that's it. Um, yeah. And I lost track of them. Like, I mean, when they, I mean, I guess they sort of broke up in like 89, right? And then, then, I didn't really think about government issue in the nineties. And then it was maybe like 10 years ago that I was like, Oh yeah, that you record is so good. And like, I busted it out and I was like, it was better than I remembered. Like I was, mm-hmm. I, you know, I was like, they were, they were, it was right when it might've been more than 10 years ago. Cause it was, it was right when the, the, um, uh, uh, whatever the thing in the aughts that happened when the strokes got big and there were all those like the somethings bands that were kind of yeah. doing that, like the vines um, and whatever. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking, like, this is so this some of these things would like fit in with that, like, that's how ahead of its that time it was almost. Like, it was, I was like, they could do this now, you know, um, and it would, it would be awesome and it would be better than some of the stuff I'm hearing now, but um. Yeah, well, I think that there is like a unique time frame. It's like people made a decision around this time. It was like, it was either you were going, it kind of like what kind of strain of punk were you going to do or kind of where were you going to branch out? It's like you yeah. could become like a metal band. You could 
become like, you know, kind of get become part of the youth crew thing. The people kind of decided that it's like kind of the 82 brand of hardcore wasn't going to cut it anymore. Yeah. And then I guess if you decided that it was going to cut it, you just sort of did like youth crew kind of stuff. Yeah. Or you, became yeah. U2. Yeah. Right. Yeah. U2 which or, in a yeah. way, I feel like this is sort of the strain of doing that, even though it's differently packaged. Um, yeah. I, feel I don't, like this I don't goes, see that. I feel like this is a damned record. I feel like I, I mean, I, I totally I mean, agree. And I don't, love but I feel damn, like it's like oddly put <laughs> You would um, pick rock. It's like if you decided yeah. to go rock, and they decided right. to go rock. But yeah. it's like a lot of people did U two, and it's you're right. It's not that, but they were they were on the same trip that TSOL was for like a minute. Yeah, it feels like. But like TSOL all went bands were glam metal, didn't? I mean, they went metal. Um, but they had that. T- do you like Change Today? Do you like that record by TSOL? No. <sighs> I feel like if you I, like this, you would like. I'll I'll, re- I'll write it down and revisit it. I mean, it's not it's not their glam metal. Um, it's like they're right yeah. before. Yeah, they were like we I was like never rock. Like a big, I was never a big TSOL guy. I was never a big Damned guy. I think, um, I guess when I was a kid, the youth the youth crew thing spoke to me more than the um, the existential dark uh, gothy yeah. thing did. Well, it makes um, sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a, you know, I was a, I was a semi-angry, you know, upper middle class suburban white kid in the South. So, um, so seven seconds it was, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, well, that record is a damned. I mean, it's, there's a lot of it. And, um, I don't know, I, I was actually, when you first asked me to do this, I went and read some articles and he straight up was like, I was trying to redo the damn strawberries album and I was like, huh. And then I went and listened to like the first song on the strawberries album could like be on this record. Um, it's like, the, it's so similar. I mean, the singing is so similar, um, but I like government issue more than the damn. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's like a one specific damned record that I like, but I can't also remember the last time I've listened to it. So that's not saying much about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, but yeah, this one, this record I listened to, you know, once or twice a year for the past, you know, 10 to 12 years. So, yeah, it's also the only government issue album that doesn't have really a sense of humor about it. Like, I, I was thinking about that, too. Like, government issue was another thing that set them way off on as far as like early DC hardcore, even from the beginning. Like, you know, that scene affected me and influenced me more than probably anything else. But uh, it wasn't known for its uh, being funny <laughs> or being or having any sense of silliness or, you know, like all those bands. Everybody was very serious except government issue or not. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. It, yeah. But you is not. But you has no silliness on it. It's a dark ass record. I mean, I well, think. for them. Yeah. But I. I still think there's little glimpses, but I I feel like I probably only think that because I know their whole, whole career. Yeah. So I feel like you can feel when he's getting like sarcastic about sarcasm's about as far as it gets in terms of humor on this specific. Yeah. Record. You know, like hole in the scene is probably, you know, it's like a yeah. biting critique. Yeah. But that's not the type of humor that government issue employees yeah. earlier into there well most of that record is about his heartache over this young girl right i mean it's he was apparently having a 
thing with someone way, way younger than him. And that's what that record's about, largely. Um, and uh, yeah, so, and that was another thing I think that made them not have the, they haven't had the lasting impact that, you know, a Fugazi has or whatever, largely, I think, because they didn't have that like brand. They didn't have that. Um, we're a thing and we believe this thing and we, and like, you know, and he dressed funny and I was reading an article about apparently like at some, when Brian Baker was in government issue, I read that um, Danzig saw them and like went to, and you know, he was friends with Brian Baker cause they did some stuff together, but um, that he went to him, like Danzig went to him and was like, your brand's cool, but like, why is your singer such a fucking clown? And that Brian, and like the legend is that Brian Baker actually went and offered to like, pay for john to like get new clothes like to look cooler when he played because <laughs> you see pictures from back then and he is wearing he'll wear i mean there was a time i guess when people were saying that he was like gay or something and he was like okay well then he j- and then he just started wearing like women's pantsuits on stage and stuff and these are like you know revolution summer era like <laughs> where everybody's very serious you know and uh yeah he looks the way he dresses in the pictures it almost just looks like it's like it almost looks like he's going clubbing but he's like severely out of touch yeah like it, it's this weird kind of it almost makes me think of like the uh it's it kind of night at the roxbury ish in a, yeah in a yeah way. i mean i think he like just a child did, i think he just it. wanted to bother people and he probably didn't have yeah. a lot of resources so he just grabbed whatever he could and was willing to wear whatever he wanted to wear and that's you know that's I think awesome it's great. yeah that's I what mean, i've loved about him i think it's kind of as i've gotten older the thing that because like we were kind of talking before we started recording like is this a punk record yeah where it's sort of like i've gotten to a point where it's like i don't care <laughs> Yeah, like it's like, (laughs) and I don't, I don't think that they. I think in a way they stopped caring too. Oh, sure. And that's probably why people don't talk about them that much. Yeah, because it's where do you, where do you file it? Yeah, I mean, I don't really, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people that's always just been like, uh, I mean, for me, punk's basically whatever I say it is. (laughs) So like if I like it, it, you know, it becomes that like, well, I like it. So it is, you know, like doing your taxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, in terms of like velocity and volume, like I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be a punk record. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is. there's some very fast songs on it. If that's the metric, you know, there's, um, it's not political, but neither was, you know, neither are a lot of things that are punk. Um, so yeah, as far as like being a formative thing for me, when I was a young little kid figuring out punk rock, like it certainly is a fucking punk rock record, you know? Yeah. It's like the Um, lens of the lens of punk rock is definitely like narrowed. Um, because like when you think about in terms of, even SST records around this time frame or before it's like Minutemen or punk, but so is meat puppets. And so is, yeah, you know, like gone or something. It's like, yeah, you know, painted Willie, you know, like how all of these things are, <laughs> yeah, all of these things are punk then. So it's sort of like, yeah, it's arbitrary. I mean, it's like, 
I, I don't, you know, what does it mean now? I mean, like my kid, you know, the idea of people identifying by the genre of music, they're like, that's over. I mean, like, that's not a thing anymore. You know, when I was a kid, it was like, we hung out with the kids who wore shirts of the bands we liked and other people, you know, that's not a thing anymore. I mean, my daughter wears shirts with the misfit skull on it and she doesn't even know what the misfits are. Everything do is you just, feel, a, do you feel like you failed as a parent in that way? <laughs> she, <laughs> she, she got, I don't know where she got it at thrift store, I think, but it's like a, I was probably like an urban outfitters thing or something, but it was like some like uh, knitted, like, winter winter like sweater uh-huh. and it had the the skull on it the misfit skull and she came downstairs and i was like that sweater is like kind of rad and she was like oh thanks i know it's like a band or whatever and you're gonna try to like explain to me what the band is and i just want to tell you right now that i really don't care like at all and i was like oh. <laughs> did you tell her the brian baker story oh she got a real kick out of that <laughs> She was like, Brian Baker, he was in Sam Hain for a minute, right? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no, they don't care. Yeah. She's, you know, um, and she doesn't need to care. It doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what it feels like to kind of like, just like thinking about a, I know your kids are older than this, but uh, one of our mutual friends, Scott, that I play in a band with, like, it's like, trying to he doesn't try and push his kid into liking punk or whatever right. and I'm putting it in quotes just in the same way it sounds like you didn't either but it also feels like that's such a weird notion to kind of push something that's essentially almost like 40 years old yeah on your kids yeah. you know right. it's, it'd be i don't know what the equivalent would be as parents i guess like i mean i guess my dad tried to get me like arlo guthrie but you know yeah it didn't it didn't yeah, stick. it's funny. It's one yeah. of those things that like uh, people think is important when they're younger. And when I mean, I know I've had friends with with young kids that are like, my kid likes Joy Division. I'm doing a good job. And I'm like, that shit doesn't matter. And when they're eight, they like whatever you tell them to like. I mean, it's not, you know, I mean, it's cool. But your kid's not a sticker on your car. <laughs> like, wow. they're just a kid and they're not going to be into what you're into. And you've got to be OK with that or you know freak out like my parents did threw all my records away at one point because they were scared and didn't understand what it was um but i talked about them again in a podcast i know well but they were just doing what they thought was best because they cared about me and i appreciate that now as a parent um (laughs) um uh where was i going with that so yeah i mean my kids would probably not issue you i don't think but I don't know. Uh, I remember I played when Max, my oldest kid, was maybe 10 or so. I was like, let me play you some music that like really meant a lot to me, you know, and I played him like damaged or something. And he was like, it's cool. Like, I get it. But like, it sounds old, dad. Like, it really sounds old. <laughs> you know? And like my daughter likes some Weezer songs a lot. Like they're in her Spotify playlist. And like not that long ago she asked me like so are weezer still alive (laughs) (laughs) i was like yeah they're like two years older than me that old (laughs) so she said no 
like, the answer is no. So for now, but not much longer. Yeah. Um, uh. <clears throat> yeah, I could do a whole thing about that. I could riff on kids and punk rock forever. Um, I, I guess like what I always feel like, I think probably what got me honestly getting that relationship with them again as a band was getting into Jawbox. And then I just kind of mm. got obsessed with kind of like tracing the lineage of anything Jay Robbins. And then it led me back. There was like a point where it's like, oh yeah, the Jay Robbins played and you know that band. Well, I, I, yeah. It's, it's good that you bring that up because I was in high school and you know, I, it's hard to remember now how we ever knew about anything because we just, you know, because I didn't. Um, maybe it was an ad that came up on my Atari or something, but um, there was uh, Jawbox were doing a tour with, um, I think it was with Fuel, actually. Remember Fuel? Fuel Gazi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they were playing like, I, I got a flyer somehow. I, I don't remember. I don't remember how I knew about this. I was not in the loop yet. I was in maybe 10th grade. And, um, but there was a flyer and it was like at a, at like a veterans hall in like Graham. It was like, it was like in some little weird city. I remember it was like an hour drive or something. And anyway, it was Jawbox and it was like, it said like ex government issue in tiny letters on it. And I was like, I'm going. And, uh, and I went and there was like, it was very small I and mean, it was, you know, maybe 30 people there. It was small enough that I went to Waffle House with Jawbox after that, after the show. Um, so that was another like really formative moment, you know, and they were, they were three piece. Yeah. They were three piece. I don't know who was playing drums at that point. And I think they had a, their first seven inch with them. Yeah, so we were a three piece, and you were you were right. Uh, so Zach wasn't in the band yet. That was Adam Wade. So shudder to think, Adam Wade, and he's Jay Robbins, but it's J A Y. Um, so mm. interesting there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but like I, I, you know, hung out with them. I was a little kid. I mean, they weren't that much older. They probably were like twenty, and I was seventeen or whatever. But um, you know, I stayed, I mean, like my bands opened for Jawbox over the years after that. I mean, like, you know, I saw, I saw Jay Robbins at Fest like three years ago and he knew my band from 1995, like when I <laughs> told him who I was. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I was into government issue enough that seeing ex government issue on a flyer was enough for me to drive my shitty car an hour to some weird little rented out room to watch them play with strangers songs that I didn't know, you know? Yeah. Um, so you said that that was fuel and Jawbox. Uh, I think so, but it, it, that, you know, I might be getting tours mixed up. That's what I'm trying to find out here, but I'm not seeing anything like. So grip was 91. It was earlier than that. It was, they, they maybe had a seven inch. So so was a, I think it was a seven inch, then grip, and then a full length. Jawbox discography. I mean, I guess grip is a full length, really. Yeah, it is. I just never in my head. It's always like a long EP. And like, I don't think it was what uh, whatever they had at that point was on. I mean, like, it might have just been they had a cassette at that point. And it's funny too, because you know, in '90, seeing Jawbox, I mean, 
government issues seemed kind of like ancient history, but it was only two years, two or three years before. One, you know, but yeah, eighty-seven. <laughs> yeah. So that would have been three years since yeah. that came out. Yeah, um, yeah. And so yeah, it wasn't that long. And also, I guess maybe it's a product of our ages now. It's like it, like four years doesn't feel like anything. It's not now. that long, no. <laughs> Like, even when I think about the fact, I feel like when I was even younger, there's even less, I I always bring this back to me on this podcast, since only selfish people have podcasts, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I don't, I'm not as worried that I haven't put out a new record yet, as I would have been years ago. I mean, I'd like a new record, we have the songs Mm -hmm. for it, but it's like, there would have been like this immense pressure laying on my chest yeah we're not having a new record and now time's it's like, going by and you're missing the boat yeah yeah it's and like, i mean i mean you and i have been friends for like eight years now yeah yeah possible um i was thinking about time and how it compacts and my daughter thinking weezer was dead made me think about it because because <laughs> i was thinking about when i when you know when i was a kid and and uh and like motown was you know golden oldies was like the big thing i mean you know mm-hmm. i mean the baby boomers always uh, are kind of driving the bus as far as what is mainstream because that's who they were trying to sell to, you know. So all the radio stations were playing like Motown and, you know, music from the 60s, you know, in the 80s. And to me, that music seemed old as fuck. It seemed like yeah. like that music was in black and white. Like that music was like sepia toned, you know, like that music was old that music wasn't as old then as like Weezer is now. Like, yeah. And that's just, but even, yeah. And then, so by extension, us talking about government issue. Yeah. Is why we might as well be talking about big bopper. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, it's like, if in the, it's like in, it's like in 1985, we were talking about like Elvis Presley, you know, or it's like even like, or older than Elvis might be, but it's sort of like kind of what was what was kind of Elvis, but what didn't have like the legs to kind of last that long. So you would essentially right, be talking about Hank Bill Williams. Haley, Bill Haley, or uh, Bill something. Haley is, <laughs> or just the comments when they broke off with from him, which I don't. know. You don't understand did. with my job how many Bill Haley stuff I see, which is really interesting. It's cool to see like that stuff in the fifties, but uh-huh. the fact that you pulled Bill Haley out just felt like you know it's like I'm not working, <laughs> you know. Um, but like that that is true like bill haley and i know no one listening to this will know what that means nor sh- really should they in a way but that's yeah. what we're talking about i think that that's super important to note because when you think about those move even when movies were doing it because that's kind of why cult- like culture was doing that like yeah. culture was telling you that the, the early 60s were something that we needed to think back on already which is yeah. the equivalent of if this year, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen, it just doesn't happen as a mass culture, us having movies about the year 2000. Because that's really what it would be. Yeah. We don't yeah. have a That <laughs> yeah. 2000 show. Right. But, like, things aren't changing as fast. Changing as fast as they used to, I don't think, you know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's just It's just strange because it's like, I'm trying to think of, like, Oh, we're like Stand By Me. What was Stand By Me about the 60s? And yeah. movie in the 80s? Yeah. And so I couldn't, I couldn't imagine sort of a voiceover about like, and then as I watched on the TV, we saw the planes at the Trade Center. <laughs> yeah. 
And then, I mean, yeah. I could see a movie about 9-11, but it's sort of like sure. you could almost like, because you could just see like a Wonder Years moment where it's like, oh, and that's where Kennedy died or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where you're like, ah, oh, it's, it's, it's like serious, but it's couched in like sitcom humor. But uh-huh. it's like, but you're right. It's like the expanding elasticity of time. But it's yeah. also not just because we're of an age and it's longer. I think it is part of that. But it's like culturally, we don't do that anymore. No. And, and, and people stay. Well, first of all, I want to say, too, this is important to point out and is very relevant to what we're talking about. The, one of the reasons that Generation X people like myself are so fucked up is because what we, the media we were consuming in the early 80s was reruns of stuff made in the 70s that was taking place in the 50s it was like like <laughs> like happy day like we were fetish they were fetishizing the 50s right so like happy days yeah and greece like i didn't understand when anything was at that point you know when i'm coming home from school in 1981 and watching happy days reruns from five years ago that were set 20 years before that. I was just like, I don't know what's happening. Well, a lot of times when I think of the eighties, because even I was, it must've been even more confusing, but me consuming the eighties, a lot of times I think of the fifties because it's such a big part of eighties yeah. culture. Yeah. You're like, are the stray cats from the eighties? or the 50s? <laughs> But <laughs> I get, but I guess we are, it's then that sort of like, then, yeah. I mean, and then this did happen and around 98, we did it again. Yeah. We do it all the time. And so yeah. we're due for another swing revival. <laughs> That's it. You and know. sadly, this isn't the first time I brought that up. Remember, I podcast. made that I made that point on Twitter once a, a few weeks ago when I was like, okay, okay, we can do the Sky Revival, but can we not like somehow blend it into a swing revival like we did in the 90s? Because that was unfortunate. And there were, you know, I don't want to see anybody getting excited about, you know, the cherry bleeping daddies coming back. I can't even say their name. Um, anyway, um, we're way off. We're way off course now. I love it. Oh, yeah. I found, uh, speaking of like government issues reach, I was thinking about how many labels they were on. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they, um, I guess the seven inch is the only thing that was on Discord, right? There's, they didn't, there's nothing else on Discord. Um, um, I think Joyride is. I do they, not. they are still a few. Um, no, I'm completely wrong. Pretty much, you're you're right. So really, the whole part of their career. So, Joyride is on Fountain Youth Records. That's uh, right. Yeah. The live, which but here's I mean, the that's one, here's Mystic. the best part. Mystic Records, classic. Mm. You know about Mystic? You know about Mystic, right? Yeah, I have a Mystic yeah. Records comp. Um, like um they were, they were just a famously terrible label you know they were i mean no effects had a record that was called so what if we're on mystic like they had a record that was on mystic that was called so what if we're on. was um, were they almost like they were essentially i've heard them be called a bootleg label just because essentially he would put out if he could get his hands on it he would put it out yeah he, no matter a, what permission he had um i've heard brian Walsby speak at length about mystic on some podcasts and um you should try to get that guy on your show because he's, he's a quite a fountain of knowledge about weird weird california stuff like that um see i don't even what is this record like what i mean give us stop or give us death it's an ep from 1985 
I mean, that's astonishing. I mean, the, the journey from here to here is, uh, they don't sound like the same band at all. I think that they, I feel like they really could start going into the sound that I like. You could say on fun just never ends, but really on their self-titled because government issue, self-titled, you crash. Yeah, this record rolls. The, um, and this record is on, it's manufactured and distributed by Dutch India, but it's foyer. No, that's Fountain of Youth. Okay. It's just like a weird logo. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. That that instrumental that this opens with is, I mean, it could have been on you, and it's awesome. Yeah, I love that song. Yeah, and they, I love I mean, the, this marketing is so great. There, there's no band name. <laughs> like it's just a, it's just a weird pixelated halftone graphic. It doesn't. It just were, says garbage. Yeah, they were really ahead of their time. Yeah, I yeah. don't know in which way, but they were ahead of something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Know? Um, it's yeah I don't I mean it feels like it's like I, I should talk about like the songs but all I'm gonna do is just like tell you the songs that I I like like it starts out great like mm-hmm. Jaded Eyes is we've like we've talked about like covering it forever mm-hmm. you know that or Carrying Line like amazing songs uh, well like I said you gotta have a good rhythm section <laughs> I mean you know, wide open it, on that I think it's, you could do it yeah I did um but I don't know. It's it's like it's almost like hard to talk about this record in the terms of like what it is as an actual record. Yeah. Mainly because I just that's not how my brain works. <laughs> yeah. It's you know it's good, but it's like I don't know how to tell someone that's into punk why they should like it. Mm-hmm. So why do you like it, Scott? Well, the, I I think that the 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 rhythm section, like the wet, the driving nature of it, is so infectious to me. I I never get tired of listening to it. Like it, it's um, I I actually was thinking too on um, the on the um totally slow EP that you helped us put out. There's that slower song in the middle, and it's got a backwards guitar solo on it. Mm-hmm. Um and. I remember having that idea and being like, where did I hear that? And it's from, uh, I think man in a trap. There's a backwards guitar solo on this record. And that's where I learned. That's where I got the idea. Like I, I remembered hearing it and it's really subtle. If you listen carefully, it just kind of at the ends of the parts, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, I mean, I would say if you're handing this record to someone, just tell them to listen to where you live. I mean, that song has all the things. It's kind of like the whole record put into a song, I feel like. And it's got like those crazy organ parts and sitars and like all the stuff that shouldn't be there, but it's like perfect. And um, hits you. It's, I I don't know. I like this era of like punk in quotes a lot because like it felt like it just felt like people didn't know what to do mm-hmm. <laughs> like they didn't know how they wanted to express it like it's like they knew they didn't want to be like another i don't know ssd even ssd at a point didn't know what they wanted yeah. to be <laughs> yeah. but it's like but it's like they just said why like government issue especially just said why not why not put a sitar in it uh-huh. so i like that kind of thing where you just feel like 
you know, there's certain touchstones in certain eras where you feel like people haven't really figured it out. So there's not like, as much as I love youth crew, it's, it's a, it's a genre that's like gonna be set in stone. And that's the glory of it a lot of times. But even with like, let's say, I guess, jumping off ship, talking to government issue. But when you even look at early youth crew, it doesn't really know that it's youth crew yet. And some of that's like my favorite youth crew. Because it's like it doesn't really know that it needs to wear all Nike jumpsuit yet. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know. So yeah, like early youth to today and stuff. I like mean, that. it's kind of cool to think about too. Like these bands, these early '80s bands that we're talking about, um, and that goes for everybody from Government Issue to like Circle Zerks or whatever. You've got these people that have this sort of ethos of, you know, just being honest with your music and traveling around and playing it wherever you can. And it's not about the money, but at some point, you, you know, um, you're like, okay, we're like filling up. We can fill up a 300 person venue anywhere in the country, but like, I want to like buy a house or like, or whatever, (laughs) how do we, what next level can we go to? But they didn't have really any model for that. Nobody had done that. I mean, like who, I mean, like, uh, as far as like underground or punk bands that like got big, I, I mean, I don't know, talking heads, like what is your, what's your model? And obviously um, um, circle jerks or minor threat or whoever, like they couldn't, they weren't going to get out of that. They weren't going to get any bigger, like really. I mean, that they, yeah. they were kind of, and it's so, okay, how do we, where do we go from here? You know, and then you had, you know, Uniform Choice doing what they did. And then you had some, you know, Bailey Meyer threat. They were like, we have to stop. Like, if you guys are trying to get bigger and want to change all this, then I'm just, I'm out. And so it's over. Mm-hmm. And then, but that government issue, I don't know if they, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, uh, um, and maybe I'm just projecting it, but I, I just feel like, uh, like I have a, a, maybe a similar life vibe to John. Like, I, I feel like he just did it because he had to do it. And it wasn't mm-hmm. like, I don't feel like they were going for it with this record. I think this is just the record that they made. I don't, I don't get the vibe that they were like, this will be the one, like we'll be on MTV or whatever. You know, like, I don't think they were trying to do that. Do you? I mean, I don't. Yeah, no, I, I, it's, it feels like a different trip. It's like, it's like it's like just as know. honest. As, it's just as honest as Legolas Bull was. They're not putting anything on. This is just the band that they were at that moment. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like there probably were bands around this time frame that were kind of gunning for it. Like, I think like Dag Nasty probably has more of like a thing that they were like gunning for it. Oh yeah, know, they like, were I definitely think, trying. Know. I mean, I you know, I heard a podcast with Brian Baker was on Turned Out a Punk and was like, I was paying rent by like selling my like first press minor threat stuff. Like I like, <laughs> you know, you know, when they were kind of like, why did you join Junkyard? It's like because they paid me. <laughs> like yeah. you know like i mean it makes like, there's it's funny that you know that the whole concept back then that was i mean especially in like the mid 90s when it was all like this rage and fury about fans wanting to keep ownership of bands you know like you're not allowed to like succeed beyond this you know you're mine like i'm a lonely nerdy guy and you're my band like you can't you know, like how much like hate and anger, you know, Jawbreaker, or Green Day or whoever got. Um, but like this rule of like, you have to keep doing it in this way that's really fucking hard. 
like for your yeah. whole life. Um, and you're not allowed to ever break out of that, you know? But yeah. so I, you know, I never was mad at a band for doing anything like that. But I, yeah, I, I mean, just don't, I don't I think Evernity if... were trying to, I don't think they were no. attempting to do that. I mean, I think like it's, I mean, they were on giant. So I guess like that was like a bigger opportunity, but it, it almost just seems like they, I don't know why I'm using this. It's like they magooed their way into it. Just like, just yeah. like they didn't ask, they didn't technically ask to be there, but they weren't going to turn it down. You know, like they were yeah. ripe for the picking and they didn't say no because they, it didn't seem like they probably said no to anything. Yeah. They were pretty open to anything. So yes, it led them to a bigger label per se. Um, but you know, I, I don't, but what even yeah, was like, giant? I mean, am I allowed to look things up? I, like, I'm wondering like what even giant records was, I mean, uh, they weren't a subsidiary or anything, right? They were just, well, I they were, like they the, were, they were Warner brothers. Yeah. Um, I, I would imagine a, a label like that grabbing up government issue was more of a, um, a vanity move or it's like a street cred move like i don't i doubt they ever thought like we're gonna make some money on government issue i, just I think can't if imagine. you get a government issue it's technically in those regards if you get a government issue then you can get someone that will actually make you money so it's like right they're yeah. a foundation band that gives giant credibility that you can but i don't know who i, I guess then dag nasty was next or around the same time so uh-huh. you know because they were field giant day, right? for yeah field day yeah. was giant and uh-huh. that's also what makes these records like $40. Oh, I'm just looking at Giant Records Wiki. And because <laughs> uh, I, I was just kind of under the impression that they were like kind of like a Caroline or a like that they their whole jam was doing things like Dagnasty and government issues, like hardcore bands. But they weren't. I mean, MC Hammer was on Giant. Um. Oingo Boingo, Warren Zevon, Steely Dan, Morbid Angel, Brian Wilson, and Kenny Rogers. What is that? So maybe, so does that mean Government Issue was gunning for it? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that somebody <laughs> came to them and, I mean, I think probably, I, I think probably like, I, don't, I mean, I've never really looked into it, but I, I wonder what their relationship was like with the Discord people Um, at, by that point. I, I mean, it probably just didn't feel like they're seen, you know. Um, I know they had they had the whole thing um, during Revolution Summer where they had degradation winter like they were like making fun of the whole concept like I can see that they wouldn't have fit in and maybe wouldn't have yeah so it's like okay what are they going to do at that point they're going to put something out on I mean I don't even know Revelation that was that didn't exist yet <laughs> no they wouldn't have um <laughs> uh color me bad was on that label <laughs> but like looking here i don't even i mean i don't even the government issue is not even unlisted on um on their wiki yeah yeah i mean uh, they really kind of it's like the story kind of continues throughout time but this is almost like the beginning of it in terms of like punk rock where it's like you sign to a major label and then what does it end up meaning? Yeah. You know, like it's, I guess it's kind of the same thing that ends up happening the jaw box in a way it's like, but I think it's like even, it even worked more successfully with jaw box, but then still on a Nirvana scale. The problem is you, yeah. yeah. The, I mean, I'm sure I, I would guarantee you the jaw box sold more records 
more of that uh, sweetheart record than they did of the one you just held up. But like, it probably ended up being considered a huge failure. I'm sure it did. Um, Because of the scale. Discord was never going to give Discord was never going to be able to give them like an advance that potentially allowed Jay Robbins to like buy a bunch of studio right, equipment. Right, right. You know, so, yeah, so it's so it's know, sort of like the trade off yeah. is and it yeah. and it's worked out. I think they're in like a pretty good position now. I mean they they're legends and they can play a few shows a year and you know probably put out a record and sell quite a few of them, you know. But it was definitely like a murkier thing, I feel like, around this time with like government issue. It's like if it didn't work out with Giant, then what's the template, like you mentioned earlier? It's like what yeah. does it mean? Yeah. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and I don't think even by that point I, I mean, like again, I was really young. I wasn't really in the I wasn't like knowledgeable of like the inside baseball on punk rock by that point, but I don't really think that people were like mad. Like nobody was like government issues sold out and signed a giant records. Like I don't think that was really a thing people did yet. You know, I mean, all of the big punk rock records that we all think are the ones that started it all—they're all on major labels. It's not like the Ramones weren't like cutting and pasting their own record covers you know yeah um so yeah i don't know i'm i want to i wonder but i mean but you but i feel like there was what's odd though is there was that kind of backlash in terms of like things like new wind um like for seven seconds. Yeah. Well, you know, new like well, seven seconds were again, they were a band that um I think they were kind of like a early start of the whole of the youth crew thing, and they were very like they had their flags planted. Like we look like they they had a look, they had like a sound that they carried through the first two or three records. They had like a they just had a thing, they had a brand. And then with New End, they kind of didn't do that anymore, just all of a sudden to some people. And people didn't like it. Um, yeah. It felt like they were abandoning the scene they helped create or whatever, you know, which is dumb. It's like you're a burger restaurant and then eventually you just start selling spaghetti. It's just spaghetti <laughs> but, from there but on. But New End is, you know, it's on the same label as the other records. It was reported with Ian McKay, like, produced it. I mean, it's like, um it wasn't a sellout it was them honestly just no, trying i don't think it was no, it's funny to look back they now. were just they <laughs> were just trying to be honest to what they felt like they wanted to try to do creatively which is what this is all supposed to be about you know um i also i think it's kind of funny whenever you're in when you're in a movement at the time and i feel like i've i've done this so many times and i try not to do it so much now but it's like it's like you don't really allow people to change in any yeah. sort of way. And then sort of that change is like an affront to another person. Well, that's like the whole, like, you keep you. talking about youth crew, and that's what I was thinking about, too, is, like, lyrically, what is, like, the one of the biggest lyrical things in youth crew, and even in Minor Threat, was, like, you changed, man! Like, that's, like, the whole thing. It's, like, don't change. Like, uh... Which is 
stupid but they ended up all doing that <laughs> yeah of course, then they of then course. they in turn well, ended what up young doing that people because, do it's what young people we're always yeah. gonna be best friends and we're always gonna like you know play kickball at four every day or whatever the fuck. i don't know but like yeah it's just like it's just the thing about youth you know but you don't you know there's no world where we say that people who don't change or that that's good i mean like nobody thinks that we're all supposed to change. I mean, that's, you don't want to watch a movie where nobody changes. Like you don't want to watch <laughs> a, read a book where there's no arc to the person's like storyline. It's just, um, obviously like if government issue had put out, you know, seven albums that just sounded like 30 minutes of legless bull, we wouldn't be talking about it today. Like it would <laughs> like, <laughs> But um, we may we may have if they had essentially stopped at let's say Joyride. Yeah. And then people were able to sort of make a mystique about them, mm-hmm. then they uh, weirdly enough it they might, might have be been talked more. about maybe differently. Yeah. But I don't think I don't think then overall as them living lives as these people that would have been a better life, you know. Right. <laughs> to be remembered without you're like, Oh, I'm glad people remember me fondly. Who cares, <laughs> you really? know what I mean, you yeah. know, that didn't do anything for John. Well, no, and I feel like like John Stab. Like I said, I feel like a kinship with him, and you know, and I got to spend a little bit of time with him, and um, I really felt it that he's just he was just kind of like you know chasing down ideas. You know, it's like like I just put out a totally slow album. It took a lot of work. It was a year of my life. I'm really want people to hear it. Why? I don't know. Like I'm not gonna. I'm not going to ever make any money from it. I'm not going to like, I know that I don't have any, like, it's not going to hurt my feelings when I don't get famous from that record that I worked really hard on. I just made it because it was in me and I wanted to make it. And that's what that record feels like. to me. That's why I think it's, it holds up. It's like an honest document of those four people and what they wanted to do in that moment. You know, it wasn't a sellout. Can no- you imagine though, if, um, can you imagine though, let's say, that instead of playing in Totally Slow, mm-hmm. you instead were a DIY book writer. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is you just wrote books and you put them on, uh, I guess, Amazon. Sure. For lack of a better thing. Would that give us the same fulfillment as like putting out music? Because that's essentially what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the thing is, there's all these other parts of music that i like like i like playing shows and like traveling and meeting people playing shows and that's not really something you do with a book like there's other you can do some book readings <laughs> i know you that's not... <laughs> yeah you can set me up some but i haven't written a book um i mean i i, I think those are different but you're right i mean to some some degree the vast majority of people who've had any creative output in their lives have had to be okay with it existing just to exist because that's really what I'm mean. hardly any like hardly it's... anybody's truly uh you know succeeds whatever that means I, I feel like I've succeeded that, that's like a weird thing I made the thing I mean, I that's like a make, weird thing with but... like I think John Stab uh, could be completely wrong but I thought the rumor was for many years he worked in a hardware store uh-huh and like but he was in like known to some rock band you know to some people sure to us two people 
You know, <laughs> I, I'd be like, why is John Sab working at this hardware store? I know that to be the reality, but it's sort of like in my head, still in the recesses of my mind, I feel like it's almost like I feel like he should never have to have had to have worked again because he was in government. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like, but I know that not to be the case, yeah. but it's sort of like, I can't. And the, you know, it's sort of like, they mean so much to yeah. me. But hardly anyone from that era that we has, I mean, Kevin seconds has, a, probably has to have a job, you know, like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. the only ones who did, didn't were the ones who went the like jay-z route with it you know like like ian mckay kind of did accidentally you know he he made it accidentally he made it into a business you know jello baffra same thing you know like i I don't um notoriety doesn't pay anything really unless you have capitalized on it somehow um and he wasn't that guy you know um john stab i mean he wasn't even like Mike Watt seems to be kind of just living in an apartment somewhere. And yeah, what do you what do you think he's like cashing this double? No, I don't. I don't think he's that. Cashing this double nickels sort of, on the dime, like Spotify checks, you know, living. Life. But it's like when I I watched a uh, live video of like Mike Watt from like the uh, tugboat ball hog era. Yeah. Um, and I like that record, but it's sort of like because he was on a late night show. And you could say the same thing about Jawbox. It's kind of like, why, why aren't you? Yeah. I don't know. Then it's sort of like, what are these people supposed to do? You yeah. Know, like, what am I expecting them to do? Like, why are you? Why, sir, are you working at this Trader Joe's? Yeah. You know, like I, I don't know what it yeah. is. You know, and work is work. There was but, a there was a period where um, when um, I guess it was yeah, it was Whole Whole Foods. Whole Foods, it was either Whole Foods or um, Fresh Earth Fair. Maybe it was Earth Fair. I don't remember. Anyway, um, Bobby Sullivan from Soulside was like um, a guy. I don't remember. He had a job with like Whole Foods or Earth Fair. I can't remember which one. But he had some job where he had something to do with like making sure that the produce section was right or something. There was something where basically... uh, I can't remember if it was in here or in Charlotte, but there people were like, the guy from Soulside is like working at a grocery store, like here. But it was like, a, you know, he like, I think he like traveled or he was like a management. I don't, I don't know. I'm pro- I might be completely talking about ass. He was in some way affiliated and was in North Carolina for some period of time. And people that knew who Soulside was saw him and like talked to him. It's just, and yeah. it's like, and it's like, uh, and Soulside's a funny example because that would be really weird if you learn like the guys in Soulside, like they all live in mansions now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh like John Brannon, um I've I've heard he like works at like a sandwich shop and mm-hmm. like has yeah. for like ever. You know, so you, if that's true, you could I assume in Michigan, uh you could just go and get a sandwich made by John yeah. Brannon. You know, and it's sort of like I mean really the reality is like it doesn't matter like yeah. that's if it brings him the joy like it's like not to shame because work <clears throat> yeah is work. um but it, but it's still like it's like it's like as much as the story you you mentioned you went to waffle house with Jawbox. it's like i want that but i also don't believe that 
Jay Robbins should ever have to work again. Yeah. You know, but then I, it's sort of like you're at you're at one point telling them that you want them to be actualized yeah. humans and converse. Be with accessible, you. but also don't. But be, yeah. Well, he. I think don't Jay Robbins probably dirty. is able to make a living off of off of music adjacent things. But it's a lot of work. Yeah. Recording people. Oh yeah. Those are bad hours. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. you know, but it's like anything else, like. I imagine if somehow I was in a world where the 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 brand of creative output that I have actually made money, like it probably would ruin it for me. It probably would suck. Well, you would also be like poorer, and I would have to be poorer. Yeah, like being a more successful musician. Yeah, and it means I can't do the things realm. that make money anymore, and <laughs> I have to work extra hard at the music to make you know, a third of the money that I was making before or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think where I'm also attaching myself once again to this, is like I, for like the first time in my life have kind of found something that might be closer to a career. Mm -hmm. Like I have benefits and things and it's not, it's sort of music related, but really not really. That's, uh, but it's, it's, it's hard to think about like these people are myself kind of like, just the relationship I have with music or I guess you have with music is what I'm saying. I don't know. It's just such, such a funny thing and I'm not putting my finger on it. It's like a weird realization to be like, this is a hobby, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Well, I feel like you're, I feel like you're letting, um, you're letting like capitalism tell you what the value of things are. It's like, I mean, it sounds like kind of like shitting on it to call it a hobby. I mean, I understand why you mm-hmm. would, and I probably would in some context also, but like, it's just, we're just living our life and we're trying to like, yeah, do the things that we feel compelled to do. And some of them generate money and some of them don't. And sometimes we have to do things we don't really want to do because we have to eat, you know, but like, um, I feel like that that's like the, the shitty part of status quo capitalism. Oh, free time is for like you know hobos or whatever yeah. or losers you know and um I, what i'm what yeah what i'm saying is like, i don't think the people that played in confessor should ever have to have <laughs> how many people are we gonna get in trouble with this podcast um well you know i think to circle us back to um yes please. to the record <clears throat> i do you think that um do you think that John, whose identity is stamped all over these records, I mean, they've got his name in them. Do you think that, that he, at the end of the day, felt like bummed that he didn't break through the zeitgeist more than he did or anything? Do you think that he cared about that? I don't think he did. I hope not, because it's like as much as I've made a stink about it in this, like I, it's so trivia it's a thing i wrestle with though because to me they're big in my mind but it's like but i also know that i can't just go tell everyone's not going to accept my relationship with government issue you right and so you know so it's like this isn't circle jerks but i'm but i've also lived a life where i'm fine with that it doesn't need to be circle jerks right you know or whatever we're going to insert in that kind of next tier of things i just love this record yeah (laughs) <laughs> like i don't know how else to break it down yeah um you know uh but 
is there anything else you think you would want to say about government? Um, well, I would want to, I mean, I was thinking I had read an article on, it was a few years old that I was just Googling the record and um, there was somebody that was kind of doing what we're doing, which is like wringing their hands over the fact that more people don't think this record's awesome, you know? And yeah. they, and their argument was like, it's a million times better than any Fugazi record. And there's no reason why they're not as famous as Fugazi. And it's like, huh (laughs) i I don't know what to do with that yeah i framed it that was weird for me i i you know i don't i mean um i wouldn't say it's i i I would say that's a lateral thing i don't know it's two different universes for me they don't uh, that's like a weird thing i think like what i'm was clumsily trying to get to sometimes is like just like thinking i guess thinking about it like a book again (laughs) like it's like every book doesn't need to be the one that like changed your life. There are some books that are like just unique and like a document to itself that everyone might not read, but that doesn't make it less important. Yeah. And it's sort of like, I wish and the author of that book probably works at a hardware store, (laughs) but it's an amazing book, but you know, it's like, I don't that. And that's kind of like where it feels like it's like, this is an amazing album, whether or not if it's the biggest thing doesn't mean it's any less amazing to me. Yeah, that's, well, that's any album. It's also it's so yeah. subjective, and um, but hopefully, maybe three people will be like, "Well, I guess I, I'll listen to that record now." You know, whoever listens yeah. to us talk about it. Um, I feel like if you if you love uh, Jawbox or you love Burning Airlines or you love, you know. I feel like um, you'll love this record if you give it a second, you know, it's, yeah. um, It's not a hard listen. It's really fun to listen to. I feel like it's like more than a lot of punk records and you, you were mentioning the rhythm section. Um, It's not, it doesn't all feel so guitar forward all the time. Um, And so that Mick gives you this thing, unlike a lot of punk records where you almost want to dance to it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe the goofiest dance possible, mm-hmm. but that's what John Staff yeah. would have wanted. Yeah, and wanted. the production is so you know, like, good. It sounds great. It still sounds great. Yeah, I mean, f- for that, yeah, yes, it does. Still, it's like simply, I, th- I think there's like a weird mixing thing that people liked in 1987. Yeah, yeah, it's 80s. But it's like yeah. not to the discredit yeah. of the record. Like it's, it's so, all of the weird things about this record are the reason that someone should listen also, to it. Also, so much cowbell. If you like cowbell. <laughs> where you live so much cowbell it's great yeah oh god um so it's a lot yeah it's a lot on that song but i wouldn't I love change it, it for no, the I love world it. i love it um but i you know i like to think as an um as an elderly punk rocker myself um still making records that um it's people like john that um that inspired me to uh just chase ideas down like i try to do and and have a vision for a creative thing and do it and not and just put it out there and not um hopefully make something honest that just came out of out of this head and out of the people that i that i do stuff with and isn't it doesn't have an agenda beyond that of just being true to whatever it is you know whatever my um my uh, creative antenna pulled out of the 
out of the abyss, you know, and, and, and to have, <laughs> yeah. and find joy in that and find, um, and hopefully touch a couple of people in the process, you know, who, who consume it. So, um, yeah. So your new record came out well recently on refresh records, casual drag. And, um, this is your third album, which I should know if that is correct. Or yes. Not. It's Personally, I should, I should, you really should. Um, it's the third, <laughs> it's the third LP of this project. Yes. This, um, yeah and i feel too like um our this this project similarly i would say our three albums have different vibes um like you can tell it's us but it's different vibes you know um kind of like government issue but you almost did it and like you were saying with seven seconds like uh, i did it in reverse i got madder you did it in reverse yeah you got madder yeah faster. i don't yeah like the first album we did that you you helped us with uh, is a lot happier than than it got after that but you know that was before 2016 like yeah. there was um um there was a lot it felt it felt at the time like there wasn't as many things to get to be pissed off about but um I was reminded with our last president and then with all the other stuff that's happened in the middle, you know, but yeah, I guess I did kind of do it in reverse. I got madder. Um, and I got more, do I you, got more collaborative with Chuck too. And Chuck's more of a hardcore guy. So, um, yeah. Do you think you, did you ever expect in any sort of way that this band would have like lasted so long? No. And I, I mean, I, is this your longest running band? That's a good question. And again, it's like that thing where time expands when you, um, <laughs> Al Beeren and I were talking about, we email sometimes and we were talking about how he's like, it's funny. Like I think about like, oh yeah, in high school I had that metal phase and I feel like it lasted like 10 years, but it was like, you know, a summer, you know, <laughs> like, but yeah. like, so my band, um, like my first like real band was Rice Reserved that band lasted that was a long time i mean i was like well it's probably like five years so no not the same but it was the same people the whole time so this one feels more like it's um just like a weird hello kitty brand that i put on my output <laughs> which isn't fair because it is a it's a collaborative effort but um it's not the same band it's not the same people it's not even mostly the same people that it was but that's that's interesting in comparison to even like government issue because i think that they kind of did the same thing because it was like not really the same band throughout the no. run and while government issue was a long-running band a lot of his peers were like in three bands during that same time yeah. frame but it just was all called government issue yeah you know? it was so just kind of like he, relatively... just, he just carried that brand but it was all sort of his vision and that's kind of how i think it totally slow in a way but what I'm saying is everyone else in the van is completely disposable. <laughs> I just, I well, go. your parents are fine to listen to this episode, <laughs> but your bandmates may not want to. Uh, no, but seriously, like, um, uh, yeah, I, it, like it, uh, yeah, it's a long time for the totally slow to exist as a thing, but like, it doesn't feel like the same thing at all to me. Um, and when we switched the lineup up, a couple years ago i was kind of like should we just go ahead and change the name or but just felt like we're not it's not like we're big it's not like it matters and i've already like yeah um there's already a lot of stickers stuck on <laughs> gas pumps up yeah. and down the east coast you know um 
yeah so no yes and no i didn't really think of it as something that would be that long but you know it still feels good it still feels like i've still got ideas and they still fit with these people that i'm playing with and um we all get along and Yeah. yeah yeah i mean anytime i'm like why do i still make music and then like i'm like well scott hicks Seems to have a lot of fun with it, so I guess it's I me. I'm your inspiration too, so. now. Yeah, Aww. you're my inspiration. Yeah, That's on like the wind. So never. The... St- if you stop, if you stop, I'll stop. Oh, is what I'm saying. Ooh, I'm the wind beneath your wings. I love it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like to. I mean, I hope people. I mean, I feel like I can look to people, and um, even John until he passed away. It was like he's. I don't know how old he was exactly, but he was several years older than me you know i mean even like a band like the descendants i'm like why is it weird if i'm doing it if they're doing it they're 60 yeah. <laughs> they're still i mean obviously they're making money at it and i'm not but like um they still got the energy for it they still got ideas like you know i don't know i feel like ageism is the new frontier of um i think i think it is and i think i've i think it's probably it's a product of me getting older but um you know, like I, I think it's been not to tattle on myself too much on the pod. It's even been something that I've probably been like really bad about, mm-hmm. you know, and probably even like mean to you about it. This isn't like an area <laughs> of grievances. Um, you know, I think it's like, but, but I do see it as like a big thing. And oddly enough, I feel like with younger people, it tends to be like bigger than I remember it, but that's probably just a product of me getting older and then taking everything personal. Yeah. Cause yeah. I feel like it's so, less so. Um, I mean, I, I like, I have friends that, that are in their twenties. Like I have people that like, I might text and meet for coffee who are in their twenties. And I also have a kid who's in his twenties. And I also like, but when I was in my twenties, somebody that was like 38 was fucking old. Like, you yeah. know, I, I feel like, it doesn't matter as much now, you know, like we're, we're, um, we got contacted by, I'd seen, there's this band orphan riot. Have you seen anything about them? They're Mm -hmm. really good. Like really, um, tight kind of like older fat record sounding band from Burlington. And, um, I had just kind of like somehow their stuff had zoomed by me and then they messaged me and were like, telling like they love totally slow. And they were like, you know, would you guys be cool? Like, would you like to come play in Burlington? And I mean, I've been playing shows in North Carolina for 30 years. I've never played in Burlington. Like, yeah. And um, they were like, we're doing like little DIY shows at this comic book store. And I was like, I'm in. I'm fucking totally in. <laughs> yes. And so like, you know, we messaged back and forth some. And then eventually I'm kind of like, so this doesn't matter at all, but just curiosity and context. Like how, they're 16 years old, these guys. <laughs> and um they're not weirded out that I'm, you know, that like my kids are older than them (laughs) and like, you know, but I I don't, uh, do I ever have like sort of existential, like terror of like, am I rigs of dad? Like, am I that, you know, like that, that crosses my mind. But, um, you know, like my wife says, and my friends say, like, you've been at it, like exactly like this for so long you're not trying to be anything that you're not i'm just you know i'm not it might be it is ridiculous punk rock's ridiculous music's ridiculous um 
but I'm not embarrassed. I don't feel like I'm um, trying to do anything that I'm not capable of doing that comes natural. To yeah. Me. Um, um, I want to go to that Fugazi reunion. I don't care that they won't be able to jump around as much, you know, if it were to happen. If it were to it's happen. It's not going to happen. But uh, yeah, I mean, <sighs> I think it's cool that like, I feel like, it, yeah, I think you're just taking it personal because you're getting older. Because I don't, I don't think it's any worse. I would say mm. the people that are meanest to me about my age are like you and Chuck. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys aren't. I mean, you're younger than mm. me, but you're 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 crossing the. You're, we're catching up. We're catching yeah. up. I mean, you. you won't catch up unless I die, but um, which will be soon, <laughs> clearly. But um, <laughs> you know, once all you guys are over forty, it's like we're all old it's like that's it you know yeah but i you know when uh when i was in high school we one of the first um one of the first like i was i put like my my phone number and book your own fucking life you know i was like uh i guess i was like 18 and um the one of the first exciting calls that i got was david hayes you know um, mm-hmm. who started yeah. Lookout Records and he's he was doing very small records at that point. And he had this great band, 27, 23 more minutes who were from, I think they were from Arizona, New Mexico. But anyway, they were coming through and they needed a show. And I was like, this is it. Like, this is the real deal. Like, this is a touring band that's like affiliate, you know, that's like the guy that helped discover Operation Ivy is like <laughs> calling me you know and so like anyway 20, they came and it was like that was a big moment for me and, and my friends um and those guys were like 27 28 years old and i remember thinking like so cool that you guys are still doing it man Uh, I don't know what else to say. I think that's the perfect place to end it. Uh, 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 maybe. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Oh, and... it's an honor to be on your show. Yeah. Um, and um, hopefully we were insightful somehow. We went all over the place. But thanks for coming on, Scott. It was really cool to be with you, Josh. <laughs> Welcome back. Thanks again to Scott Hicks for coming on the pod. Check out the new Totally Slow album, Casual Drag, out now on Refresh Records. Okay. Next week, we're talking with renowned poster artist Mike King. Mike's work has been compiled into a book, Maximum Plunder. It's receiving a second pressing that's available now, and I highly recommend it. Mike's done posters for Black Flag, Nirvana, Foo Fighters, Sun Ra, Ornette Coleman, Ice-T, Public Enemy, and honestly, the list goes on and on over his 30-plus year career. We talk about the 1980 underrated post-punk classic for How Much Longer Do We Tolerate Mass Murder by the pop group. Honestly, it was a record and band I'd never even heard of but it was an amazing discovery. So more on that next week. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. 
please rate, review, and subscribe, and just simply tell a friend. Okay, see you next week. <laughs>